0: Genesis 8, starting in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your life, blood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. From man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image." and you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Let's pray together. Lord, you know my heart, the heaviness that I've experienced this week. Lord, you know our hearts, the heaviness that we experience in just the, the news that we've, we've talked about, Lord. And Maybe there are folks here who don't know how to think about it, who don't never met Nick, and so uh, we're not quite sure how we relate. God, your word has instruction. Lord, your word points us to Jesus. Lord, your word uh, communicates life to us today and newness of life to us today. And so, God, I pray that you would speak. But I pray that you would instruct, that you would teach us, and that you would give us a hope, Lord, of a life that is in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, several, several years ago, I bought, a, uh, I bought a used car. It was like the, the, the worst downgrade in vehicles ever. I went from a Chevy Silverado to a Toyota Prius. I, I, actually, I actually, you know, I actually didn't hate the Prius as much as I thought I would, so I will I will say that. Um, but I bought it off of a family that had dogs, and I love dogs, and many of you love dogs, like dog lovers, right? Yeah? Some of you out there, yeah? Uh, I love dogs. But no matter how much you love dogs, um, there's not a person on the planet that loves dog hair, okay? That's why many of your dogs are some sort of oodle mix, right? Like, they, you know, there's less hair uh uh, around and so i knew that this family had dogs and i knew when i was in the car test driving i could see some pet hair there i tell you that i had this car for many years and the day i sold it there was still pet hair in the carpet of that car no matter how many and it's not that i didn't vacuum or didn't try just pet hair is really hard to get rid of and so every time i got into this car it was a reminder. No matter how good the gas mileage was, there was a reminder of previous ownership, no matter what bumper stickers I put on the car, no matter how much I made it my own or listened to my music in the car. It was constantly a reminder of previous ownership, just the little dogs shedding hair everywhere and like and scratching up the dashboard. I have no idea if they're driving with the car like on the dashboard, but like scratch marks from the dog on the dashboard of this car. Just evidence of previous ownership. When we look at this text, when we look at Noah, Noah has just gotten off the ark. God has just saved him from the destruction that he brought against sin and evil in the world. He saves his family. He gets off of the ark. And this world that Noah receives from God that he inherits is often referred to as a kind of new creation. But it's more like a new to Noah creation, like a new to you car. It's not a new car, but it's new to you. Because there are signs of previous ownership, signs of previous destruction, signs of previous sin in this world that Noah is inheriting. And so I want to look at how this world that Noah inherits and the world that God made In the beginning, I want us to see the parallels so we can see why people talk about it as a new creation. And then I want us to see how there is something within this new-ish creation that is just not right. Something is still off. So first, if you think back to Genesis chapter 1, we've been in this series in Genesis for a few months now. Genesis chapter 1, God makes the world. And when he makes the world, the world is covered in water and darkness and the spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. But in the flood story, the world once again is covered in water. And it's the, it's, it's the ark that is on the surface of the waters. The spirit of God is the power for life and the power for creation. And the ark of God contains all the life that is left in the world and will be a part of causing life to flourish in the rest of Creation And so people look at that and they go, oh, look, water and spirit, water and ark. It's like a new creation. But then in the creation story on day three, the waters recede and they're gathered to one place and dry land emerges. And the same with the flood story. The water dries up, the water abates, it recedes and dry land emerges so that life can be habitable on the earth again. What was once uninhabitable is now habitable, both in the creation story and in the flood story. But then God makes man in the creation story, He plants him in the garden, he blesses him. He says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Noah gets off the ark onto the land. God blesses Noah, says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. It's easy to see what is happening here as a new creation story. God is giving humanity a new beginning of sorts. And yet there is this ominous cloud hovering over this new world. Uh, I was on a plane recently and I watch movies on planes that I would never otherwise watch. For some reason, every movie I watch on a plane is like, I never would have watched that at home, and so I was playing recently, and I watched the menu. Anybody? Everybody seen the menu? Some of you have seen the menu. The menu is a suspense thriller about an island that has a restaurant on it. And that restaurant is the most elite restaurant in all of the world. And all of these people going to this restaurant are all these elitist influencer types. And they get to this island. They're all excited about the delicacies that they're going to experience. But something is wrong. And I'm not going to tell you what. Uh, If you don't like suspense thrillers, don't watch the menu but there's just something off. And as the story unfolds, you realize the depth of terror that has existed in this place that was supposed to be such a beautiful experience. This is Noah's experience. He gets off the ark. He gets onto dry land. And, and there's, there's the first rainbow. And like everything is supposed to be beautiful, but soon everything is under this cloud of darkness and we recognize that Noah's world is not a new creation. Something is horribly wrong. And we see what is wrong. It stands out most clearly in Adam's in God's blessing of Adam and God's blessing of Noah. I'm going to read both of these blessings in full. First, God blesses Adam in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 28. It says, "And God blessed them." Okay, that is God's blessing of Adam and Eve. And now in Genesis chapter 9, in our text, I'm going to read this passage again and you can see the differences. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth And upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground, and all the fish of the sea, into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. See, the difference between these blessings is seen primarily in the way that humanity will relate to the rest of the created world. See, in Noah's blessing, humanity still serves as God's agents of authority and rule in the world, but the way that they rule and the way they use their authority is very different. See, ruling and subduing, if you remember from our conversations in Genesis 1, is described in the creation story as gardening. Adam and Eve are gardeners, and so they rule and subdue by cultivating the land and by bringing it to its flourishing, by bringing its fullest potential out of the land, out of the, the different species of the world, out of the garden. They are cultivators. They are gardeners. But in Noah's world, humans are tyrants, The fear of you and the dread of you will be upon the natural world. They strike fear and they consume everything. See, the ideal in the creation account is that um, nothing would have to die in order to support the life of another living thing. That's why you read in the account, the humans are vegetarians. They don't have to kill in order to survive. But now in Noah's story, as humanity increases on the earth, they're like locusts. They just devour everything in their path. And so they rule not as cultivators, but as consumers, as they are fruitful and multiply, they devour. And so in this new world, um, death and violence, sin is assumed. Notice how in the text, God gives a punishment for violence. He says, if Anyone sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. God is giving a a, uh, a a penalty for sin because he assumes that sin is still a part of the equation. Even though he had wiped out sinful humanity and given this family a new start, he still assumes that sin is going to be a part of this world. There's, there's this, this ecological dissonance, this chaos between man and beast, between man and the natural. world between humans and one another. There is this frustration, there is this tension, there is this fear and a dread that is sown into this new world. And so our passage does contain this beautiful story of renewed hope, and yet there are storm clouds on the horizon. Is it new? Somewhat, but humans are different. And sin is assumed. I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, um, this is the world that we live in. Okay, we don't live in Adam and Eve's world. Okay, we live in Noah's world. We look out on the world and we look in our lives and our relationships, and on our best day, it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag of hardship and joy and, 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 and sin and redemption. It's a mixed bag of, of beauty and ashes. We just shared difficult news about a member of our church family who's not going to be uh, with us any longer, that God is moving Pastor Nick on But in a couple of weeks, we get to celebrate the addition of new life into the church family through baptisms. We're going to have baptisms on May 21st. It's a mixed bag, joy and sorrow. This is the world that we live in. But what's even more significant is that for many of us, um, this isn't just what the world feels like. This is what we feel like. This is what I feel like. This is us. You know, so often we read the Bible and we want to relate to certain characters of the story. Like we want to relate to the hero. We want to relate to this person. At, at, our, at our best, sometimes we're willing to relate to the villain and see the depths of our depravity. But I, uh, I think that in this story, we're actually supposed to relate to the creation See, we are a mixed bag. This is what we feel like, corporately and individually. Oftentimes we like to... Focus on the problems with the world and think that they are our problems. And so we want to see the world repaired and we want to see the world change. And we, you know, venture into changing the world through many avenues, whether it's, you know, uh, business or philanthropy or politics or whatever else it may be. And we try to curate the world around us to make us feel better. But we can create our most beautiful little bubbles our most beautiful little pockets in the church in Carpinteria and think that we're safe, and yet we realize in the depths of our hearts that the mixed bag is not just out there, it's in here. That we still struggle with making sense of what's going on in our hearts. We try to enjoy the things in the world as much as as we can, and yet they do nothing to solve the internal crisis that we are not as we should be. As individuals and as a church, we are not as we should be. It's a mixed bag. And it's not only the world that needs to be made new, but it's us that needs to be made new. And this is the hope that our passage actually points us to not to not to experience the the, the brokenness and the sorrow and the, the the mixed bag of of joy and pain, and just wallow in that, but to lift our eyes up and look to what it points to, and this is the beautiful truth that scripture. Teaches And what I really want to resonate with us and for us to bring out of this place and into our homes and into our relationships, it, that truth is that in Christ, you are a new creation. Noah's world might not be a new creation, but if you've put your faith in Jesus, then you are a new creation. Now, listen to this. I know this still, like, sometimes it resonates and sometimes it's difficult. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. To be in Christ means to trust in his life, death, and resurrection. And, and, and know and believe that the Holy Spirit takes us and unites us to Jesus so that what is true of Jesus is true of you. And that what was true of you is no longer true of you, but it's actually true of Jesus. And so Jesus is righteous. And so guess how you are treated? You are treated as though you are righteous. And we have sin. But our sin has been given to Jesus. And so guess how Jesus is treated on the cross? As a sinner. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we're united to Jesus. He is our identity. He is how God relates to you. If you've trusted in Jesus, then regardless of what your experience was this morning or yesterday or last week or in the future, God looks at you and he sees his beloved child in whom he is well pleased because of Jesus. Because you are a new creation, the old has passed away and the new has come. The moment we trust in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and in his resurrection from the dead, our old life, along with our sin, along with our shame and wounds, is washed away as the flood washed the world of sin and violence and corruption. Our sin, our violence, our corruption has been washed away by the blood of Jesus. It cleanses us. Now, I remember the moment I first believed. Okay, I was 19 years old. I remember sitting in a place that I never thought I would ever be, a college ministry called Reality at a church in Santa Barbara. And I remember some dude sitting right there Preaching the gospel and I'd never heard this before and I knew I was this mixed bag I wanted God to go away, but I was desperate for God because i couldn't i couldn't deal with my own sin and I heard that the blood of Jesus cleanses me and I remember raising my hand and experiencing just this washing over me that everything that had come before that moment didn't matter anymore and everything I had to look forward to was the was the presence of Jesus the love of Jesus the glory of of God. And I remembered that freedom and I remember that joy. And I remember the life that completely changed. And I remember looking and seeing, experiencing God's love and knowing I don't deserve this. And yet he gives it to me. I remember that moment. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember that day? Maybe that day has not yet come, but do you remember that moment when you realized that God loved you? And if you're honest, you know you didn't deserve it. And it was just by sheer grace that you received the goodness of God for you. Do you remember that moment? Now, praise God for those of you who are raised in the church by believing families. You've always known the good news. You've always known that Jesus died for your sins. Maybe you can't relate to me, an an egotistical jerk who just used people for his own pleasure. Maybe you can't relate to my story, but your story is that God has always been faithful to you. And even though there was not a day when you recognized that, maybe in some remarkable, transformative way, praise God that every moment of your life you've been able to wake up and know that God loves you. Do you remember that feeling when you, when you know you're not deserving of it? Do you remember that feeling? Do you remember what it's like to be cleansed? Do you remember what it's like to be washed clean? Because if you do, you probably also remember what the next couple weeks was like. As much joy as you had, as much of a new creation as you felt, you recognize that something is still wrong. And I remember sinning against God and going, why do I still do this? I thought I was done with this. It's like that storm cloud. It's like Noah receiving the blessing that he knew Adam received and then hearing the words, the fear and the dread of you. And no, God, that's not supposed to happen. Remember ruling and subduing and cultivating, gardening. I don't want, what what is wrong? What is different? You remember what it's like to feel new. And then just after a short while, recognize I don't feel new in box. I feel like new. Or maybe today you just feel used. A used car, there's just, you know, rust and it starts half the time, and, and you, don't, you don't even know why you're here right now. Why God would continue to invite you back into this place. I've been pricing a lot of used cars lately and checking Kelly Blue Book and Edmonds, and they always ask the condition of the car, right? Excellent, good, fair, poor. What's your condition? What's the condition of your soul? What's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of your faith right now? Excellent, good, fair, poor. Many of us aren't feeling particularly new. For honest, we do not always feel like new creations. And here's the temptation. Here's the fear. Here's, here's my concern. When we don't feel new, the enemy creeps in or even our own thoughts will creep in and say, you're not. You're not new. You never believed. If you did believe, you wouldn't be struggling with this. Or you're not new because God's not real. If God was real, you wouldn't be struggling with this. Maybe that's your, your own life that you look at. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe whatever it is, and you're looking, you're like, I've got this promise that, 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 that we're new, and I'm not, we're not feeling new. Falling into the same old habits, the same old patterns, the same old sin, and, and, and there's this need, this desire, God, make, make me new. Renew this. And so right now, what we need to do is we need to tune into God's Word and crank it up to 11 so it shouts in our ears, our minds and hearts louder than our own voices, louder than the voices of culture, louder than the voice of the enemy. And know this, that in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. You are new, despite how you feel, you are new. Because when we trust in Jesus, God accomplishes in us what the flood never could. See, the flood was only able to wipe out past sin and past corruption. But unlike the flood that only could touch the past and never prevent future sin, Jesus died to forgive your past, to forgive your present, and to forgive your future sin. So that you are constantly, perpetually being made new. See, the flood could only rid the world of sinful people. But the blood of Christ rids sinful people of sin. And what is left is new. What is left is new life. What is left is righteousness and purity and holiness. Your sin has been cast away as far as the east is from the west. And you have been made new. In Christ you are a new creation. And also from Christ, we await a new creation. See, the Bible begins with story after story of humanity ruining creation. But it ends with a beautiful depiction of God making a new heavens and a new earth, a new world that does not, uh, that results not from the elimination of sinful people, but the elimination of sin and the consequences of sin from God's people. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. This world that Jesus is preparing, this world that God is going to bring from heaven to earth is not a refurbished creation. It is a new creation. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, no more consequences of sin because it's all washed away. No more mixed bag. No more trying to balance joys and sorrows just pleasures forevermore in the presence of God. This is what God has done. This is what God does. This is what God continues to do. He makes things new. This is the world that we were made for. This is the world that we long for. Now look, There's lots of things that you can do to distract yourself from the aspect of the mixed bag that you don't want to deal with. You can distract yourself. You can numb yourself. You can run to all sorts of things. But I am telling you right now that money will make nothing better. Politics can't save you. Okay, there's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no pastor that can help you like Jesus can help you. Listen, if you want to be set free from the garbage in your life that continues to drag you down, listen to me now, listen to me later. The world will say other things, but you know in your heart of hearts, the only one that can do that is not you, is not me, is not the person sitting next to you, is not your dogs, is not your job, is not your career. It's Jesus. The only one that can help you is Jesus. And he doesn't just come and pat you on the back. He makes you new. He makes our church new. He makes our community new. He makes this world new. New life, new heavens, new earth. That is what we are waiting for. But here is probably the craziest thing about this is you're already new. And so the world gets to anticipate a new creation by looking at your life and your life is like a window that like you look at the world and you see all of the chaos, but someone looks at your life and then through that window, they can actually peer through you and into new creation. They can actually are supposed to be able to see what we're meant to be like. Because he's made you new. And you're a foretaste, you're a signpost. You're just pointing people to Jesus, the one that's gonna do that with this world, the one that can do that with your family, the one that can do that with your marriage, the one that can do that with, with whatever it is you bring to, he can make you new. And people are invited to look at you and see that this is what God is like. This is what God is doing. Because you are a new creation in a broken creation that is being made new. Your life will point people to Jesus so that they can be made new. In Christ, you are a new creation. From Christ, we're awaiting a new creation. Just going to pray. Jesus, make us new. God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you or doesn't know that they know you, we pray salvation would come to their household today, Lord. Pray that they would experience the blood of Christ washing away their sin, transforming them and making them new, Lord. For those of us who are tired, tired of seeing the the, the sin and the shame still present in our lives, even though we believe that you have made us new, we're tired, we're weighed down, we're heavy with sorrow with guilt, with shame. That same blood of Jesus that washed us of our past sins, washes us of our present shame, our present sin, our present darkness. And we don't have to assume sin anymore. We don't have to assume violence, but because of your spirit in us, you empower us and mobilize us and and enable us to put your righteousness, your glory, your beauty on display. And so Jesus, what we need right now, more than anything, is to experience the renewing transformative power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit come. Manifest your presence and glorify Jesus among us as we lift our voice and honor him together today. In Jesus name, amen.